We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, we're pumped to be able to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends. Each Monday, two new episodes will take a look into some of soccer's biggest stars and the moments that define their careers, all narrated by Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's Always Cheating Podcast. From Holland, Zlatan, Messi, Rapino, and many more, each episode will focus on the historical plays and personalities that make the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and check out Golden Goal, stories of soccer legends, wherever you get your podcasts. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. I'm pretty excited about this episode. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam, as always. Sam, how are you doing? I am good, as always, Mike. And you know, this week I think we were thinking to ourselves, can we set the record for the longest episode of the Timeline podcast ever? Uh-huh. How would we How would we be able to achieve that? Let's have a mailbag and let's bring on a guest for the mailbag. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk to the guy we're talking to today, who presumably all of our audience already knows. Yeah. Joining us today for a mailbag that we have, I think I counted 41 questions for. And sometimes I think in the past, Sam, we've had questions that we've spent 15 minutes on <laughs> in the past, <laughs> and we have 41 questions, so it'll be interesting to see how long this one goes. But joining us, I think from, uh, most people know him from Twitter, of course, but also the 7 Seconds or Less podcast now 
no longer with us. Uh, and an excellent, excellent newsletter that is now being called, I think, The Four Point Play. Uh, David Nash. David, how are you doing? Hey, guys. I'm doing good. It's uh, the afternoon here where I am, and uh, I've got nothing but time here in lockdown. So, uh, Sam, as well as bringing on a guest, you've probably brought on a, a good guest if you want to uh, go long, because <laughs> that's that's kind of my history with the 7 Seconds or Less podcast uh, with Max, as you mentioned, Mike. So, uh, yeah, let's let's do it. I'm ready to get stuck in. Yeah, there was a it was an interesting logistical uh, puzzle to put together uh, with me being in Arizona, well, Sam being in New York, yeah. and then you being in Australia. <laughs> to well, and you and and David, you and Max were seventeen hours apart, just like you and my car right now, and it, it just gives me so much more appreciation for what you guys were able to do there for two years. Because yeah, right now it's midnight for me; it's two p.m. for you. Figuring it out is is tough. Well, I, I said to you guys before I uh, jumped on, I'm about to crack a beer, which I wasn't able to do. Uh, with Max most of the time because yeah because of that time difference I was generally doing it uh, early in the morning so uh, yeah I appreciate you guys finding a time and a time that's pretty good for me uh, no problem I mean we're happy to have you on I, that, that that's basically the reason why oh I like that there we go there, <laughs> there it, is. it is right on cue <laughs> I like that yeah it's midnight for Sam uh, it's. I don't. I ran out of beer, unfortunately. <laughs> it's nine. It's nine p.m. for me, which is relatively normal for Sam and I, because Sam gets out of work late, so we do it uh, pretty late here. <clears throat> but this is. I think this is going to be a long episode. Before we get to the questions, I did want to talk about your newsletter that you started, David. You sent yep. out recently the very first edition of that newsletter, which I loved i devoured every word of it and i loved the clips that you put and i thought you'd first of all you do a great job of researching because i think that a lot of people who don't cover basketball and i use i use quotes in that to talk about sam and i uh, but a lot of people that don't really cover basketball don't realize the amount of time that it takes to pull the type of clips that you pulled in order to do this initial newsletter. So you do a great do- job researching, but I, I also wanted to compliment you on your ability to communicate things in a succinct way that people, I think who love basketball and are really deep into basketball can understand. But I think that a lot of people that maybe aren't really deep into the sort of analyzing basketball, the way you do. And a lot of other people do. I think they would get a lot out of this as well. They would find the ability of understanding the game at a deeper level, which I think makes it more interesting to watch and to consume as a, as just a fan. So you do a great job. Do you want to talk about that newsletter uh, a little bit uh, before we get started as well? Yeah, I, I appreciate the words, and I think you've kind of hit the sentiment that I, I got from a couple of people after that first issue of, uh, you know, looking out for certain things or, you know, being able to notice certain things from my videos. So that's kind of the highest praise that I can get, to be perfectly honest. Because, yeah, I think, you know, I enjoy some parts of the game that are probably less popular or or less talked about uh, on Twitter, I suppose. And that was kind of my motivation for the newsletter was to kind of put it all in one spot, uh, allow people to kind of digest it when it makes sense for them. Uh, you know, you mentioned seven seconds or less before. A, a side shoot of that, I suppose, is I did my seven plays or less video threads. And uh, as you guys know on Twitter, sometimes they can be, you know, taken the wrong way or, uh, if anything, just disappear very quickly if you're not, you know, mm-hmm. resharing them right. all the time. Right. So right. that's kind of where the, the idea of the newsletter came from, mainly for me anyway. 
Right, well, I mean, let's be honest, David. You know, we all create content for the Suns community here, but we know that film studies are not... It takes a certain type of Suns fan, the type of Suns fan who listens to this podcast right now when there's still no basketball, to get into it in the first place. You know, it's not... If if it could get you the most plays and the most downloads and the most clicks, there would be a lot more people doing it. But I want to echo Mike's sentiment and say that, you know, as you being someone who does do that work, the amount of research that you put into it in the first edition, you know, talking about examples of the Suns using the Spain pick and roll or what they do out of a horns action or, you know, what happens when Ricky Rubio or Monty Williams holds up a fist, you know, <laughs> just like getting down into the nitty gritty of it. Uh, it's unparalleled by it's anyone scouting. else in the community. So it's yeah, it's it's brilliant scouting and and seriously, you're you're doing a service to everyone in the community. If there's anyone who hasn't listened to it yet, who's listening to this podcast, uh, we highly encourage you to check it out because it's that good. I appreciate that. And on that note, uh, David, what's the best way to find it for people that haven't maybe subscribed just yet? And right now, it's free. By the way, I don't know if you have any plans to to monetize it in the future. I think you should. First of you, all, with the amount can, of work you put into it, but. You can hold me to this. I said it in my uh, first little brief description that went out, but it will always be free. You can you can definitely hold me to that. I have had a few people comment like you just did there, Mike, and I will work on a way to maybe uh, donate to the page if you really enjoy it. But uh, I've got no intention of putting it behind a paywall or anything like that because you know I, it's just me sharing things that I really enjoy. And I'm going to watch the film that I watch no matter what anyway. So, yeah, you can, if you follow me on Twitter, it's in my bio. Uh, otherwise, if you're listening to this and are hearing me for the first time, it's just the fourpointplay.substack.com. So, yeah, pretty easy to find out there. And, uh, yeah, subscribe because that's uh, the, the highest praise I can get is uh, those subscriptions going up, which are, are trending pretty well after one newsletter, I must say. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. Well, ex- like I said, once again, it's excellent, excellent work for anyone that's not subscribed just yet. Uh, I think you'll find it fascinating, and I think you'll learn something new. I definitely did, and I watch a lot of The Suns, <laughs> obviously, and I still <laughs> learn something new uh, with this uh, first edition. I look forward, David, to what you write in the future. Um, you guys ready to answer some questions? Let's, let's dive in. some questions. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail with you all day, okay? Okay, like I said, 41-ish questions. We'll see if we get any more. I'm willing to go through all these if you guys are willing to answer every single one. I will try Uh, to go through all of them. Not all of them will get a serious answer. Because not all of them deserve a serious answer, but we'll do our best. And not all of them are even questions, <laughs> to be honest. Some of, some of them are... One of them is a poem. I, we'll get to it when we get to it, I, I guess. So uh, let's go through each one. Uh, once again, thank you to everyone who sent us questions. This one was entirely on Twitter. We've done Twitter mailbags. We've done Reddit mailbags. Uh, because, David, I think you have a presence on Twitter, we decided to make this one Twitter-focused um, and we didn't want to overwhelm all of us with the amount of questions that we could get from both mediums for this episode. So uh, shout out to everyone who did this. Um, let's let's get started. The first one is from at Coulter Bloxham. By the way, I'm just going to read the ats. Um, and f- sorry if I mispronounce uh, your at on Twitter. I'm not going to do all these right. I think one of the one of the parts that's this is one of the things that Sam gets pleasure out of me trying to pronounce <laughs> these ads <laughs> and Reddit usernames. Um, all right. So this one says question for the next mailbag. 
uh, Colter sent this to us before we even asked for questions because we briefly mentioned it on our last podcast episode. He says, I am actually feeling pretty good about the Suns for next season, especially with the Valley Boys lineup. The West continues to look so stacked, though. Can you talk about which West teams could fall off a bit? And this question was not fun for me to think about. I, <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, David, since you're a guest, let's start with you. What do you think about this question? This is a great question first up, I thought, but I was listening to Zach Lowe recently and he was kind of talking about how, you know, rightly or wrongly, every team will probably go into next season thinking that they've got a chance in the West of making the playoffs, which, yeah, makes it tough for the Suns. But I kind of picked out three from that, you know, top eight at the moment. Uh, Utah is probably one, you know, with the, the talk around Gobert and Mitchell and whether they end up going in a different direction there. Uh, if they stay together, they're probably, even if other pieces fall away, they've probably got enough to still finish in the playoffs. I think OKC look pretty primed to tank if they can get off uh, CP3's contract in the offseason after he's played so well. So that might be another one. Uh, and Tillman Fatida in Houston, who mm-hmm. knows what the hell he might do with that team. So, yeah, I think Houston I'd watch in this playoffs. I think if they go out in the first round or something, I could see some crazy off-season moves get made for them and maybe they're one that drops off. I don't know. What are you about you, Sam? Yeah, I think it's a good point about Houston. Uh, There are maybe some financial implications with that team uh, where they don't want to go too heavily into the luxury tax, right? Mm. But still, I think you're banking against James Harden and Russell Westbrook and... Betting against James Harden right now just seems rough to me. You know, there's there's too many superstars uh, at the top of this conference that I'm just not willing to bet against. Whether it's 18 yeah. year LeBron and Anthony Davis or Kawhi Leonard and Paul George or James Harden, Luka Doncic, any of those guys. I think OKC though. That I mean, uh, first of all, I think you're right about Utah, um, but I do also think that depends on on kind of Gobert and Mitchell actually breaking apart. Yeah. Um, I think the most guaranteed team to maybe slide down in the standings is OKC. Because, I mean, if you just look at the roster composition there, Shea is really good. But beyond that, they don't actually have another prospect under the age of 25 who looks like he could be that good, (laughs) you know? And so so Shea kind of has to prove that he can be willing to fit into that number one scoring option role in order to take that team anywhere. Because ultimately, Chris Paul was probably their best player this season. Uh, He's 34 years old. Danilo Gallinari is probably still their second best player, and he's an impending free agent. So that's definitely a team that could potentially tank. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that that was probably the the, the most obvious standout of, of the teams that I was looking at. Uh, you know, you, you kind of think about this year was kind of the year for the Suns to, to make a move to try and be in the playoffs with the Warriors being out of it and the Trailblazers not being very good. The, the Trailblazers are going to get better when Nurkic comes back because Nurkic is, is a big part of that team. I think that they're going to have a little bit of difficulty kind of filling out the roster around those three guys once again. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure that – I'm just not sure what that's going to look like next year. I thought they should have been better this year, to be honest, and, and, and they weren't. Uh, but OKC is that team, and I think – there's just a large amount of their salary cap dedicated to Steven Adams and, and and Chris Paul. And that's difficult. I mean, those guys, do they want both of them going into the future? We'll see. I I doubt it. And maybe Steven Adams, I guess he's not old. 
The other thing I'll say is if you look at the Lakers numbers now, obviously the Lakers are going to probably be a contender next year, assuming everyone's healthy. But if you look at the Lakers numbers uh, on off numbers with LeBron James, they're they're not a good team without LeBron James on the court. LeBron James is 35 right now. Uh, You know, he'll be 36 next season. If he injures himself in any way, that team kind of falls apart in a lot of ways. They they go from a contender to a team that's going to be fighting for the eighth seed. And, yep. uh, you know, not saying that that's going to happen, but if it does, that's one of the other teams that that's just a lot is riding on an old player there, an older superstar and a superstar who hasn't had a lot of injuries. So, you know, there's no, no, no way of knowing whether or not he's going to get injured there. But that's another team that I would look at. Uh, any other thoughts on that one, guys? It's just tough, right? Because yeah. what have we named? We've named two or three teams that yeah. might drop, and, and basically you need to get lucky in some of those cases, like if LeBron's body starts to fall apart. But right. for every team that might drop, there's another team competing with the Suns to, right. to rise in the standings. I Memphis, mean, you've got Minnesota, New Memphis, Orleans. New Orleans, obviously. Um, even the, the Kings. Kings. I think yeah. the Kings have pretty obviously plateaued. I think the Kings are pretty similar to where the Suns were five years ago, where they surprised everyone and then plateaued. But yeah. that all depends on Deer and Fox's ceiling again. So I don't want to say anything too definitive about that. Um, but Zach Lowe, I mean, to, to go back to his point that David gave at the beginning of this question is spot on. It's just there's every probably every team is going to go into next season thinking they have a chance, including us. And who knows? We've been wrong before, but our luck could change. Yeah, and I think in the case of like an OKC, his his other point was that it, it creates a real opportunity for one or two of these teams to tank and not, uh, you know, have too much competition right. down at the bottom of the standings as well. So we might get surprised by a couple after an injury or something like you say, Mike, that teams that we're not thinking of right now that we would think Phoenix might be fighting out for for a seventh or eighth seed that all of a sudden go in a completely different direction. Right. The, the NBA just moves so damn fast. Right, like the Trailblazers, I think, is another example there. Yeah. Damian Lillard goes down at the beginning of the season. He's going to be out for three months. You know, what's the point? <laughs> They're not going to be good with without Damian Lillard. So much, uh, you know, is on his back. Uh, so that's another example. Just I think the teams that are older like that, there's going to be at some point, there's going to be some sort of changing of the guard. I was looking at the 2021 free agents uh, for another one of these questions that we're going to get to at some point. And I'm looking at all these guys and thinking, I don't know, there's a lot of these guys that I just would not want really? on a max contract Interesting. at that point of their careers just just because so many of them can turn into a liability at some point. Zach Lowe was talking about Gobert as one of those guys that's, at, <sighs> you know, and it's just difficult to think isn't, about. Isn't that just the price you pay? I yeah, mean, can can we think especially of a point, for the Suns? Can, right, can we think of a point in NBA history where a team like the Suns could could actually beat out other teams in negotiation for a max contract superstar free agent who is like say age twenty seven? Right, like the guys you're going to get are going to be thirty or thirty one, and you're going right. to have to run the risk of paying them forty million dollars when they're thirty four. I think that's just something we have to resign ourselves to. Yeah, and you know, I'm obviously jumping ahead here, but that's just the importance of building this team while DeAndre Ayton's on his rookie contract is, is just sort of on 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 the uh, front office right now, I think. But uh, let's move on because that's already enough for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, this next one, uh, at um, X-A-I-J-A-H, I don't know how to say that. I love this question, and I think it's a good one. If you dropped Booker right now <laughs> into the starting shooting guard spot on any roster in the league, 
Uh, which team would be the most perfect and how would we work towards being that roster? I love, love, love this question. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys picked for this. And I wonder if we all picked the same one, to be honest. Uh, David, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, a- another great question, as you said. And I thought you know, it was probably testament to Devin Booker that you could pretty much drop him on any contender right now and he would fit perfectly. He'd mm-hmm. probably take the starting shooting guard role and he'd make the team infinitely better and i think that's just speaks a lot to to how far booker has come but if i was to pick one team i always go to this team just because i would love to see uh two of these guys together but i I would put him on philly i think the extra playmaker and the shooting is just like yeah Yeah. him and ben simmons together would just be right my wet dream right I talk that about would, that, every that week. would be a perfect <laughs> playmaker to pair with Ben Simmons to, to kind of make the synergy of Philly work. Yeah, I mean, I think any contender, like you said, it's. But I'm going to go with the answer that makes Suns fans the most angry, and that's Dallas. <laughs> like, no, that was one of my options as well. It's it's Dallas, right? Like I, I thought about this question kind of in the sense of who would you want to build around? Also, like, what's the perfect situation? And Do you it doesn't, think that's the perfect fit, though? Luca and Booker to build around? <laughs> Come on. You're serious? Well, here's why I said that. Okay, let me just explain mine. So there's three teams that I thought of when I was thinking about this. Uh, Dallas was one of them. Uh, and I didn't I'll, think... I'll, of- t- I'll be the fall man for this one. You know, I'll take the hit. I'll- <laughs> it's okay. No, but you're right. I it's mean, true. Yes, it's true. Yeah. It's not an untrue statement that that would work. Uh, it definitely would. Uh, the second team I thought of, this is not going to be fun for Suns fans either, but Memphis, think about that young <laughs> core with Devin Booker. I mean, it's kind of a fascinating uh, core uh, to think about uh, if you if you just slotted Devin Booker into that D- uh, Dylan Brooks spot and just made him the starting shooting guard on that team. But the team that I landed on, uh, and I was, uh, admittedly, I was only thinking of one season, this season or, you know, maybe next season, but particularly this season. I, I landed on Toronto, the Toronto Raptors. Okay. And the the reason is, one, there's obviously a massive scoring void on that team without Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, obviously, he, Devin Booker can't do what Kawhi Leonard did on that team because he's not the defender that he is. But I think what the Toronto roster is is a bunch of brilliant defenders who can make up for the inconsistencies let's get let's say in Devin Booker's game on that side of the floor and they need sort of that kind of scorer on mm. their team uh, in order to sort of make the offense work now I've talked about it a lot with Toronto I love that team a lot because one every single person on that roster can catch drive and pass and, I, and, and shoot, and I think if you have a, a roster full of guys that can do that around Devin Booker, that's an offense into itself. Uh, but the other part of it is they're such a smart defensive team. They can play so many different styles of defense, and Devin Booker, look, he, he's not his focus is a problem, but I think with that type of uh, team around him, they would make up for it in a, in a lot of ways. And I think the second part of that question, how do we work towards being that roster? I actually think the type of guys that are starting to the, the Suns are starting to put around Devin Booker are kind of that those types of guys, versatile defenders uh, who can do different things offensively. Continue to put those types of guys around Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, and you can sort of build towards that. And that's sort of why I looked at it as like Dallas doesn't exactly make up for a lot of 
his downfalls on the defensive end, I guess, is, is kind of why I question that, Sam. What do you think? No, I, yeah, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a good answer, and I, I like the parallels between Toronto and kind of where Phoenix is slowly trying to get. I, I don't know. I don't know if James Jones's strategy has, has maybe mimicked Toronto's as much as we would like it to. Can right? we even and describe James Jones James Jones's strategy at this point? Prob- like, uh, probably not. Pro- yeah. I don't know. What do you think, David? Can we describe James Jones's typical scouting strategy? No, after I one think. Year? No, I think we've tried to make some connections, but I think it's all a bit premature at the moment. I think one more draft, maybe, particularly what they do with this, you know, likely number ten pick, I think might give us a little bit more of a window because he's really only had one draft. I think, you know, people kind of differ on, you know, whose decision it was for DeAndre Ayton and then and then the Mikhail Bridges trade as well. I think he was probably quite involved in at least the Mikhail Bridges side of things, but that's just simply a guess. So, yeah, I think we need a little bit more time, even though I do agree that I'm, I'm feeling quite positive about the way that he is building around Devin Booker and, and DeAndre. And I like the Toronto answer. It's certainly better than the uh, the rest of the nightmare answers that we've probably given because I think uh, the Sixers, Simmons, you know, that was the draft that uh, McD tried to tank for and we ended up with uh, Bender and Chris. And then uh, Memphis, you know, there's plenty of guys on that team that Suns Twitter love uh, and obviously Luca as well in Dallas. So we're, we're probably making a lot of fans angry right now so let, let's go with mike's toronto answer <laughs> they're instead. allowed to be they're allowed to be angry it would be the best <laughs> backcourt of all time that's all i'm saying and with porzingis you know i have i have my just to defend my answer a little bit sorry to get on my soapbox real quick but i have my i have my questions about kp going forward as a five-year max contract guy and i have questions about if you literally put booker on that team and you had to pay luxury tax after you re-sign uh luca obviously how easily could you build around basically those three? Because at that point, it would yeah. just be basically those three and then yeah. veteran minimum type guys. But the the top two guys are so good that you can make it work. And KP can serve as kind of a rim protector. They would they would figure it out. Yeah, I, I spent about three months on Twitter. I think just before you guys kind of gravitated over towards Twitter, really kind of arguing why Luca and Booker together would be yeah a, a real dream so yeah, yeah. you're not going to get any arguments from me there sam yeah i did the same on reddit <laughs> <laughs> uh but all right let's move on to the next one at this underscore league by the way excellent handle there at this <laughs> league uh should the suns be giving sarich sarich more opportunities to run pick and roll as the ball handler synergy data seems to indicate that this is a good role for him and as david noted in his Substack article he is getting assists for teammates. Sharich is an interesting um, conversation to have here because it's possible there's only eight games left uh, with Dara Sharich. Uh, so maybe I guess we're talking about the next eight games. It seems like his time in Phoenix is not long. David, what do you think? Yeah, I think, you know, I was a bit surprised when I looked at that. I think he was kind of the lead assist guy to... Rubio, Booker, and Aiton when I dove into those numbers after those three guys, obviously. Um, And, you know, that surprised me a little bit. I think, Mike, you have been on board with this most of the season that I feel like he's probably a five in this day and age, at least Mm -hmm. from what we've seen for the most part from him uh, at the Suns anyway. And, and yeah, I think these guys that have got decisions to make are going to get a lot of minutes in Orlando as well. So we're going to find out. But yeah, one thing I did notice 
that I didn't put in my article was or my newsletter was he passed to Rubio 43% of the time uh, and Rubio passed to him 36% of the time, both of which were far and away the most for those two guys going either way. So mm. I wonder, you know, with Point Book coming, we might talk about that a little bit later as far as Orlando goes. Maybe those two, you could you could get a bit of 1-5 chemistry mm-hmm. going in, in like a second unit, but I wouldn't be kind of designing stuff for Saric to, you know, run as a, a pick-and-roll ball handler, you know, more than a couple <laughs> of times a game, that's for sure. What do you think, Sam? So the reason this feels relevant to me, actually, is because I think it has uh, there's something in this conversation to say about the upcoming draft. So first of all, I mean, uh, Dario's good uh, for a power forward slash center, if that's what he is now um, (laughs) in the pick and roll. But it's less about, you know, should he run pick and roll? It's, It's more about who specifically is he playing with? You always want the player running pick and roll in any given lineup to be the best guy at doing that. So if Dario is playing alongside Booker and Rubio, two of the best guys in the league at doing that, I don't see the point. You're getting, you know, you're not getting any returns on top of what you already would be getting. Not to mention, you know, if he's playing at the same time as Rubio and you're wasting possessions on Dario running the pick and roll, what is Rubio doing? Rubio's action there is probably primarily as a spot up shooter. And he's, you know, made some gains there this year on the Suns, but it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if Dario's going to come off your bench, He's probably better at running pick and rolls than Javon Carter yes. or Ty Jerome, probably. <laughs> so, you know, it, yes. it, it mostly, to me, it all depends on who he's actually playing with. But the reason yes. it pertains to the draft is because this is the reason that I don't like Denny as a prospect. And I know he didn't come up here. This isn't what the question is about, really. But it's just in talking about scouting and, and how we're going to approach this draft going forward, it's not that Denny is a bad prospect, but it's about the idea of drafting this versatile forward where his primary strength is not shooting but it's actually his playmaking mm-hmm. and his ability to be a 6869 forward who can kind of run the pick and roll from the four position doesn't really appeal to me if i'm the suns and i have ricky rubio and devin booker it just doesn't make sense the suns already led the league in assists obviously dario is uh helping with that it's good that he makes uh smart decisions and is capable of getting up to two or three assists per game but he's not the primary reason for that and uh i don't know i just think there's better and bigger issues that this team needs to address this summer um so yeah final answer uh i I agree with david i don't think we need to be running more plays for dario in the first place yeah, uh, I completely agree with you with what you just said, Sam, basically. But one thing I just want to add to that is this is why I like the idea of Sharich off the bench because he's maybe playing a little less time with both uh, Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker on the floor and he has the ability of doing that a little bit more. I think part of the problem with him being on the team in the future is if his future role is backup center for a team, I don't think that he's going to want to uh, sign with that team. I think he mm. probably still sees himself as a starting power forward on a team. Totally. And, and, you know, and, and with him, I think it's an interesting thing where it's athleticism. I mean, it's just like that's the problem. He's not really athletic enough to, to guard a lot of the fours that are in the league right now. And that means that that kind of relegates him to that center role. And is he a starting center? Probably not. I I, I don't know. Maybe on the right team he could be, uh, but not on the Suns. I can I can say that for sure. Um, but that's all I got for that one. So let's move on to the next one. It's actually a five part question. <laughs> so Which we're say, gonna we're gonna entertain for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> when I said forty one questions, we will commit. Yeah. Uh, some of these are more than one. Uh, this is grappling. 
Uh, I'm going to say Gila because maybe he's from Arizona, and that's how you say that here. So, uh, one. Wait, we could do this rapid fire. I think so. Uh, do you think pain? Let's just let's do this. Let's answer this first question with one word only. <laughs> <laughs> do you think pain will stick in the rotation, David? Sorry, this isn't one word only. Are we talking just about Orlando? Uh, oh, that's a good. That's a good point. You I think ass- he's going to get past Orlando? I assumed he meant past that based on the conversation he was having in the comments of our Twitter. Uh, no, Sam. No. Yeah. No, I agree. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out the odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? Bet Online has future odds including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. Is Jerome Ty Jerome miscast? We don't have to do this as one uh, a word. I think this one can use a little more conversation. Jerome is signed for a few years here. Is Ty Jerome miscast as a point guard and better as a backup shooting guard? I'm interested to hear your guys' thoughts on this one, David. What do you think? Right now, yes. In my opinion, I think right. he had his injury concerns, but I also think he was used incorrectly uh, when healthy. I, I made a Joe Harris comp a few days ago now on Twitter, and then I saw that in his media availability, he said that he was working on his core and his off-ball shooting, which was two things that I mentioned that I thought he should be doing. So that was kind of positive to hear directly uh, from his mouth after I uh, supposed that he should hopefully be doing that. So, yeah, I, I'm still high on Jerome, but I think that they can cut him some slack by maybe running him a little bit more off ball uh, while he learns the game yeah I totally agree I think that's one of his biggest strengths right now he just kind of needs to get his body into shape so that he can guard anyone without being uh, targeted right (laughs) I mean you know that's he's the instant weakness right uh, in any lineup defensively and so that's almost more what I'm concerned about with Jerome than his shooting which I think is pretty good on ball or off ball so I think Ty Jerome is a, has the brain of a good passer. I think the obvious thing with Ty Jerome when he was coming into the, the league, the biggest problem he was going to have, and we've talked about it, all of us, I'm sure, athleticism. He's not the most, most athletic player, but I think the difference between college and the NBA is not just how athleticism affects you, say, driving to the basket or on defense. I think one of the problems he had is he underestimated the athleticism of the NBA when making passes, and and that's why a lot of his passes ended up in turnovers. He was not used to how athletic defenses are going to be against him, and those passes are a little slow, and if they're a little more telegraphed, uh, in the NBA, they're, they're going to be picked off, uh, unlike a lot of college games. So I do think that right now, basically kind of what David said here, I do think right now he's probably better off uh, as a shooting guard. But I still believe in his ability, because he's got the brain of a point guard, I still believe in his ability to get more used to the speed of the NBA. He didn't have a lot of time to do it yet, and be more of a point guard in the future. 
I don't think that his role is just going to be a off ball shooter in the future as well. I, I, but right now I, I understand why uh, maybe that's what you would want out of him. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I would often talk on uh, my podcast um, when we had so many young guys about wanting to get them on the court with their one kind of NBA ready skill and letting them, uh, you know, feel right. the game out and develop some of their other stuff. And I agree with you, Mike. I think long term he's going to adjust. He, he's just too smart, uh, too much of a, a good passer that he won't be able to. But he's kind of got to get on the court, start to build some confidence. And I think one way they can do that is to kind of run him off ball a little bit. And then, you know, if he hits down some or knocks down some shots, then they'll start closing out on him a bit harder. And that's where some of the playmaking right. might might really open up for him, which I yeah. think they just kind of threw him to the, the wolves too early, I think, on that stuff. Yeah. I mean, the, the complete lack of a competent backup point guard uh, forced that, yes. <laughs> I think, for a lot of it. And, <laughs> yeah. that, and that actually is relevant to this next question. Uh, sign Chris Dunn or MCW as a backup point guard, Michael Carter-Williams, for people who don't know that nickname. Um Looking at those stats was not super fun for either one of those guys. Uh, <laughs> David, what do you think? Uh, I'd go Chris Dunn. I think he's getting some like chatter of being all defense this year because he is just incredible, at least at that facet of the game. And if you're uh, leaning into what Monty said around point book, I think you know even though we're talking about backup point guard here, and, and the question was maybe talking a little bit more about you know getting someone who's a, a bit better at what we've had so far this season at playmaking from the backup position. But, uh, yeah, I just like that skill from Chris Dunn a lot better than anything that, that Mike Carter Williams can do. Sam? Uh, I would pick MCW. MCW actually had a really encouraging end of season. This was – I don't want to put too much stock into this because it was like two weeks at the end of the year. But he played well and the Magic won games, which I think actually means something. It means that it's not necessarily a Tyler Ulyss situation with the Suns a few years ago. Um <laughs> That being said, and and I fell for that at the time, you know, that's why I bring it up, because a lot of us fell for it at the time, and we thought, really, what is Tyler Ulysses' potential? And as it turns out, it wasn't much. Um, (laughs) Mostly, though, either of these guys would be fine if you just have, like, a couple million dollars to throw them, but I think there are better options in free agency for backup point guard. One of my big things going into the summer is shooting. Um, And I really, really, really want the Suns. They were hovering around 20th in both volume and efficiency this year in um, in. three-point attempt volume and three-point efficiency and i really 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 want them to get into uh the top 15 in both of those areas for next Mm -hmm. year i think that's a a realistic Mm -hmm. goal and i really want them to get there i think you need to be there these days to be a solid playoff team that can get out of the first round um so i'm pretty hesitant about signing any guard who's a sub 33 percent three-point shooter and both of these guys Mm -hmm. are that's my only thing but but if you only have a couple million left uh you've already signed better players i'd be okay with either one if I had to choose either one of these guys, I honestly, I'd flip a coin. Uh, <laughs> I, I think Chris Dunn is um, an excellent defender. I think that offensively he doesn't bring much. And I think maybe you do have the ability of sort of getting over that a little bit because of the dual playmakers that you do have on the Suns. Uh, and MCW had his most efficient year uh, of his career, and he was still very in- inefficient. So uh, I don't know. Either one, it's fine. Uh in a lot of ways, I'd prefer more of a veteran in the backup point guard role. Uh, maybe that's unless the Suns do are able to draft, and I know we're going to cover this draft of sort of future point guard. I put that in quotes because this draft is sort of not 
it's not great. Uh, it may be a little point guard heavy, but you know none of these guys are absolute guarantees to be like starter, starting point guards for a good team uh, in the future. So I don't know. I, I, neither of these guys get me very excited. I'll say that. Um, so flip a coin. Uh, next question of his. Uh, sign Kyle O'Quinn, O'Quinn as a backup center slash sign and trade Baines, question mark, to both of those. Um, I'll just start this off by saying I want to keep Baines, um, and I, I understand the fear of him not playing every game of the season because he just doesn't. I, know, I don't know that he'll be able to with the way he plays, but I think he is good for DeAndre in, in general. Um, and I do want to preface this too. A lot of the off-season talk that we're going to have, and I knew this was coming when we asked for questions, because we've kind of avoided off-season talk on this podcast so far because uh, it's difficult. I just want to say we have no idea what this off-season is going to look like. We don't know how the salary cap is going to be affected by everything that's happened this year. We don't know what the Suns are going to be going into this off-season with as far as capabilities. We don't know what the market's going to look like. So it's difficult to talk about a lot of these off-season questions. But just from a general sense, I really like Aaron Baines. I Kylo Quinn, I don't know. I saw in the Matisse Thibel uh, vlog Kylo Quinn talking about playing against Grant Hill. Uh, so that just <laughs> that's just a reminder of who Kylo Quinn is at this point of his career. So I don't know. It doesn't really excite me either. I understand it, um, but I like Baines more if if we had to just compare those two guys. David, what do you think? Yeah, I just had to look him up because I saw that as well uh, on that vlog from Thibel, which is great, by the way. Which yes, I know so you, you mentioned today, Mike, but. Uh, I can't believe Carlo Quinn is only 30 years old because I could have sworn he's like, you know, wow. right. three or four seasons deep of being out of the league. I, I think if he got released by Philly tomorrow, I'd be surprised whether there'd be that many takers to uh, yeah. pick him up. I, I, I'm not a fan of Carlo Quinn, not to right. uh, to bag the question too much. but Yeah, he's fine. I, I, I've looked at the backup center market for free agency this year, and I'm just confused if you were a Suns fan why you would want to get rid of Aaron Baines, you know? Unless you thought that there was actually going to be enough competition out there that someone was going to offer him, like, $10 million. Right. I think that the easy answer is to keep Baines. And if you're really worried about his durability, it's simple enough to accept the team option on Sheck Diallo and, and have him kind yeah. of, right. you know, waiting there in the wings, ready to play yeah. 20 games or whatever, because he hasn't proven that he's good enough that he's going to be the main backup center and you know for any team either. So I think that's the, that's the easy thing. Just re-sign Baines and Diallo. Yeah. David, I assume you feel the same way about Baines, right? Oh, totally. You know, I, I'm pretty vocal about my love for Baines, and I think he's been pretty good for DeAndre Ayton. And, yeah, I agree with Sam. I think it's not going to be too hard to, to keep him around. I will mention, even though I've been a big fan of Baines this season, it kind of highlights again how they could have had Rashawn Holmes and have mm. him actually locked into a contract for $5 million next mm-hmm. year. And this yeah, probably you're opening up a wound. A <laughs> yeah, that was that was hard. You're hurting us. <laughs> uh, I just I really loved him. So, yeah, you're right about that. Um, last question from him: Sign Rondé Hollis Jefferson or Harry Giles as backup forward. Um, David, what do you think? They're question two pretty different players. So, at, at, <laughs> at least in my opinion. But I, I've long been a fan of, of RHJ and yeah. I've really enjoyed Toronto kind of reviving his career. So, um, yeah, I would take the, you know, another wingy type player because I, I'm not sure I'd quite know what to do uh, with Harry Giles on the Suns, to be honest, even though it looks like the Kings have uh, really stuffed that one up from a, a contract standpoint. 
Yeah, I like uh, RHJ too, um, and I'm also impressed with what Toronto's done. I think again, I'm a little worried about he's literally as non-shooter as it gets. Yeah. Um, and you're playing him at the small forward position, so that does worry me. But he does everything else. If it's a minimum contract, for sure, I'll take him. Yeah, um, I have nothing to add there. I, I agree with both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. God, we really know how to sell it, right? <laughs> With all the all the most important questions at the beginning. <laughs> uh, no, there's a lot of interesting ones. In fact, uh, a previous guest of ours at AZ Sports Zone asked this one, and this is going to be a conversation uh, I think that we're going to be talking about for the next few months probably. And I think Sam and I are going to get a lot more into this going forward uh, so oh, we yeah. don't have to spend too, too long on this one. But his question is, Berton's... Gallo, Grant, or Wood, assuming the first two guys cost a decent amount more than being uh, Bertans and Gallo um, annually than Grant and Wood, which I'm not sure that that's necessarily going to be the case. I have a feeling that Wood is going to get a lot of money as well. Uh, but 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 what do you think, David? Yeah, I kind of see Wood get thrown around as like this cheaper option of the four sometimes, and why wouldn't the Suns do it? But I, I'm just not convinced that that's necessarily going to be the case i could see him getting you know particularly with his age and and going into his prime one of the the bigger deals um, mm-hmm. at least in terms of years and and kind of total commitment of these four guys but i'm still team gallo just because i think he raises the ceiling of the team the most even though you whenever you mention gallo you have to talk about the injury concerns so there's going to be a price point where i would be out on him um, and then I'll throw to Sam because I know he's going to agree with this. I, I'm a big fan of uh, Grant otherwise uh, if it's not Gallo. So I'll let him talk on that. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I think the cool thing about this is you can't go wrong in a way because I think yeah. they're all the best at something. Gallo's the best player right now. Christian Wood, if you guys haven't researched Christian Wood yet, first of all, we have something coming for you on that. But but Christian Wood has the highest potential by far of any of these four guys. I, I yeah. legitimately believe Christian Wood has all-star starting power forward potential. Um, and, and I think what he did in the second half of the season with Detroit this year backs that up. So Gallo's the best player. Wood's got the best potential. Bertans is one of the best shooters we've ever seen in a 6'10 frame in NBA history. Um, and uh, Jeremy Grant's the best one-on-one defender of these four guys. So all of them fit something. You know, if you, if you want a guy who's legitimately a third option for you to stick behind uh, uh, a Booker and Ayton who could potentially be better than Kelly Oubre within another year or two, I think Wood's your guy, and you're going to throw the entire bag at him. Um, and he's young, but he's also an unrestricted free agent, so unlike in most years, you have a chance to do it. Um, but if you're just more concerned with kind of the realistic option and you want a role player, either you can go with Jeremy Grant, who can guard multiple positions, uh, potentially match up against the LeBrons and the Kawhis and the Giannis's of the world once you get to the playoffs, or you can go with Bertans, who could launch 10 threes a game and, and hit them at an insanely high clip. Or you could go with Gallo, like David said, who's, who's a big ceiling raiser. So I think any of them would be really good. Um, if I had to choose my personal favorite option, it'd be Wood, but I also think, frankly, he's going to be um, probably after Gallo the most expensive. Yeah. What What I, do you think about... I know you're going to have something on this, so please don't feel like you have to spend too long on it, Sam, but what what's the fit with Aiton with Christian Wood, do you think? Because like, I kind of see him as a 4-5 a that you would kind of totally. switch between the two a little bit, and, th- and that's the kind of player that they should be coveting a little bit because... A guy that can slide over when eight and sitting and play the five is uh, a, a good kind of luxury to have. But do you yeah. think that they can play kind of major minutes together as well? 
No, yeah, I, th- I think they can because I think Wood has has developed his shot enough to the point. I think it would require him shooting more. Well, it would require a sacrifice in some sense, right? Either Wood needs to shoot more or Aiton needs to shoot at all, right? You know, something's yeah. got to give because the biggest value that Wood provides to your offense right now is he's so good as a pick and roll finisher. Um, but if he's going to play 30 minutes on the court uh, at the same time as Aiton, you, you just can't have you know, double screens all the time. You can't have those two guys kind of clogging up the entire paint. So something's got to give. Um, and that's where either Wood becomes a little bit more of a spot-up shooter than he currently is, or Aiton learns to shoot a little bit. Um, yeah. But I think what the encouraging thing is uh, about Wood compared to Aiton is Wood is a he's, a, he's a more advanced dribbler at this stage in his career than Aiton is. And I think if you're a GM looking at how do you kind of analyze his potential going forward? That's a very exciting thing that you can kind of key in, uh, in on is, is, you know, just kind of watching some of his possessions and how he navigates with the ball. Um, it's for where you would expect him to be, given that he was a literal uh, unknown one year ago. It's, mm-hmm. it's really good. Yeah, I, I, I think this is a great question, too. And I agree with Sam just from the general point of all of these guys are g- good players and, and they're interesting. And I think... There's, there's something to be said about the Suns uh, being confident in that sort of Valley Boys lineup that we're calling it and and not necessarily worrying about the starting lineup. And I think that there's a chance that they're, they could be a little overconfident in that. I think that if you look at this as an opportunity to upgrade at any point, any of these guys could potentially be that. Uh, and I, I, I agree from the standpoint of I'm not necessarily thinking Christian Wood's going to be a cheaper option as well. And I think the age, the potential are there, but also the fact that he's unrestricted, I think that he's going to look for a lot of money at this point as well. Uh, and of course, restricted free agency could bring a lot of money too, but there's chances that it dries up the way it did for Kelly Oubre, uh, yeah. just from the assumption that the team is going to match anything that, that that's being thrown uh, at them. So I think Christian Wood could, could cost a lot. I think who the Suns target... Uh, could be interesting as far as like their confidence level and how happy Devin Booker is with the Phoenix Suns. Cause I think there's a chance that next season the team would be the best with Gallo. Uh, like they just would be the best next season. But I think there's a chance that like say Grant or Wood could provide the best long-term value as far as getting better in the future Wood being maybe the highest potential player out of all of them. Uh, but maybe not necessarily being the best in the future. And I, I did actually, uh, for something that Sam and I are working on as well, I did reach out to Lazarus Jackson, who covers the Detroit Pistons, and we we had a conversation about Wood. And I just asked him from a general sense, because I've watched Christian Wood too, and you know we watch highlights and we watch footage online. But I wanted to ask someone who covered the team, does he think of him as more of a four or a five? And his feeling was he he's a four and he'll always be a four. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have our whole conversation in front of me, but he did say defensively maybe he would be better um, at the five. And I think that's something that people say about fours who are not that good at defense sometimes. Uh, yep. <laughs> it's just something people say. It's, uh, yeah. So, you know, this, just from his perspective, he does see him offensively as a four, which I thought was interesting. And I, we did look at, I did look at the on off numbers with Drummond too, because yeah, I wanted to see how he looked with the center and, and they were generally positive when he played with another big as well. Uh, so, you know, I like Christian Wood. I think that if I were to, if I were the Suns GM, I guess that's part of what this question is. I'd probably prioritize Wood first, but I think that there's a good chance that the Pistons are going to pay him the most of any team. 
And if we go back to the first question we were asked, and I'm, if I'm talking about trying to build the team the way that the Toronto Raptors are, uh, I think that would be Jeremy Grant if you're trying to build that kind of team, which is these smart, versatile defenders around uh, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. I mean, imagine an offseason where you draft like Devin Vassell and then sign Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Uh, th- that's that's the Raptors style of play that you're talking about. And right. That's, it's, that's insane. It's ridiculous. That's how you kind of build a defense first mentality on the Phoenix Suns for the first time in history. Uh, and, and still have all of these players, you know, without sacrificing shooting. And that's what's so special about these types of players is because obviously every team is looking for these players um, and increasingly you can find them at lower costs. Um, but but Jeremy Grant kind of the the appeal there is that he's the perfect combination of a lot of these skills in one. I think there's some more questions specifically about Grant later on that we'll answer. So I'll kind of leave it there for now. Yeah, and I, I do want to say I reserve the right to change my opinion on <laughs> who I would prioritize uh, out of these four guys because you know I, I've done we've act, I've actually done quite a bit of research on this so far and I still don't feel like it's enough uh, and and I, like I said the the mark the actual free agent market is going to be so fascinating this year that that could dictate a lot of how I feel about which one of these guys would be the best uh the best fit going forward and also i think the chances that the suns maybe start to shop kelly Oubre, i know nobody likes this conversation um could dictate this a little bit uh as well uh, any other thoughts on this either one of you guys i i would just say i think you hit the nail on the head with the um you know the stuff whether it's this decision specifically or, or other moves this off season we're kind of going to get that window into how panicked they feel internally about devin booker because i think looking at the moves we'll be able to see whether they're really going for that short-term jimmy butler style kind of playoff run for minnesota <laughs> uh or oh, thinking God. long-term around booker and Aiton. so yeah it, it, it's intriguing and I, I can't wait to find out yeah i i do wonder i think as well this will be the kind of the first time where we have monty williams in that free agency push like for real yeah, and I wonder the effect of that as well because players seem to really like him, and you know maybe that gives us more of an edge with Christian Wood than than I would have expected. Maybe not. I don't know, but I think that's the guy. If you want an edge on any of the guys, I think that would be the guy that you would want it on. And even still, if he's not the perfect perfect fit, he's probably the best asset as far as if you want to trade him in the future. Not necessarily thinking like Ryan McDonough here, but it wouldn't hurt. Um, that's question number six, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. So, but that's a great question. I'm glad we spent the time on that. And really, there was five in the previous question, so I don't know. It's more like 11, I guess. Okay. Uh, this is from at just another Blake, spelled, well, you'll find him. Uh, if a full-grown silverback gorilla and a full-grown <laughs> grizzly bear met in a neutral open field. By the way, neutral open field. Is there like a home court for one of these guys? Uh, who would win? And I think this is pretty obviously the grizzly bear to be, but what do you guys yeah, think? C- come on. This is easy. It's a bear. It's grizzly the bear. bears are insane. It's I'm a gonna, well, I, I looked up the weight. Uh, an average silverback <laughs> gorilla because because i'm serious about your guys questions i yeah. just want you to know i also that. did research <laughs> <laughs> you went you went full full scouting report on both oh, yeah. sides oh yeah and the average silverback gorilla is 350 pounds and the average grizzly bear is 700 it's it's no contest i don't i don't care about 
you know, the size of the gorilla's limbs or whatever, you know? This is putting prime Lakers Shaquille O'Neal on Ty Jerome (laughs) and asking who would win one-on-one. What what if I throw a a third challenger in in Aaron Baines into the mix? Does that change your answer at all? (laughs) I mean, for some people it would. Uh, Grizzly Bears, there's a stat on Grizzly Bears that people like to throw out that they could take off a, a human's head with a single swipe just by swinging their arm. Which is pretty, uh, which is true, uh, but also I think what a lot of people don't know the grizzly bears have a hump on their back, like a giant sort of hump, kind of like a gorilla. But what's different about a grizzly bear than other animals is that hump is actually arm muscles. That that's actually the muscles for Jesus. their arms. So the, although their arms look huge, they also have this massive sort of almost like a catapult uh, type of <laughs> muscles on their back that control their front, front arms. And uh, they're actually the strongest front limbs of any animal uh, in the entire animal kingdom. So I think it would easily win. I, I actually don't think it would be that difficult for a grizzly bear. Grizzly bears are terrifying. If you, if you, ever, <laughs> if you don't know much about them, just read a little bit about them. They're terrifying. D- just hope you never run into a grizzly bear. Let's say that. Especial, especially on neutral territory. Yeah. <laughs> on a neutral <laughs> open field. I don't think... I think I don't know. I don't think there's really a... I guess if you're in a river, that's like grizzly bear home court. Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure sure that a silverback gorilla would do great like in a flowing river. Uh, But, well. Next question, at Devin underscore J14. Would you rather see the Suns offseason comprising of drafting a new guard and signing a new forward or drafting a new forward and signing a new guard? And he gives some examples there, but I think we get the gist of that question. David, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm not deep on the draft yet, but I've certainly got some favorites. But You're not deep on the draft. It's mid-July. <laughs> slacker. No, I'm kidding. I'm giving you slacker. shit. I totally don't care about the draft. Do you know how not motivated I've been to watch prospects for the We don't even know when months? it's going to be for sure, right? I yeah. Exactly. October? I, I keep telling myself I'll get to it, but I, 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 I could see October coming around and I still just love grant riller and and haven't looked at anybody else but <laughs> i i think conceptually i would draft a forward and, and sign the guard and i think no. you know uh, there's a few reasons for that i think i caught a little bit of flack last year not liking guys like kobe white who played you know decent in their rookie year obviously total miss on well not a miss but you know i thought Ja morant would take a little bit longer to get to the heights that he's already at as a rookie so a little bit of a miss there but yeah, you know, I think just the greater need is for that rotation guard, and I'd be, um, you know, less pumped about putting minutes into a, a guard that we drafted rather than slotting a, a forward like Vassell or someone that you mentioned before, Sam, and kind of getting a free agent guard that we can rely on. So I, I'd go that way personally. Sam? I'm probably the opposite. That's only because I'm much, much higher on the... Uh forwards that you can get in free agency as opposed to the guard so i think there's some good guard options too uh but that's really the only explanation for that i would just like to caution people to go in with the realistic expectation um of what happens if you burn another top 10 pick on a point guard you know yeah and and kind of understanding what the limitations are for those players i mean i think it's going to be better than ty jerome or elia kobo i really hope it's going to be better than ty jerome or elia kobo <laughs> if you draft say I don't know, Halliburton or Kira Lewis or whoever around the 10 spot. 
but yeah, no promises. You know, that's not necessarily going to be the kind of Booker pleasing move that raises the ceiling of the team. And so then maybe the answer there is that you also need to go out and explore getting another backup point guard or a backup combo guard in addition to that and kind of working all these guys into a funky rotation. Um, it's not going to be perfect, but that's probably my preference. People seem to think that this is like a guard-heavy draft. I always preface my draft opinions with with people seem to think because I don't do the same amount of research as a lot of other people do. Uh, <laughs> but if Devin Vassell is available, draft him. Uh, don't worry about anything else. I just really like him a lot. He seems to be a, a great fit. He fits that sort of Toronto model as we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Uh, draft him, um, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not against either one of these strategies. It just depends on who's available at that point of the draft, and I think this opinion uh, will change as well as we get closer and more informed about the draft. So I'm not against either one of those. Um, I do tend to think that even if you draft a point guard, that's probably not there. I wouldn't guarantee that they're going to be good this year, and you probably still have a, a backup point guard problem that you need to solve. Even if you draft one, mm-hmm. you might still want to look for a veteran backup point guard that can help this team going forward. But maybe not if you stagger Booker and Rubio a little bit more. But let's move on to the next one. At Max Hotter, a fellow Aussie, right? I think our second favorite Aussie. <laughs> he's a he's a, a I think a UK born Aussie, which you know. We'll oh take yeah, him, that's right. He is. Take he him is. out if we can get him. So that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> no, that shouldn't count. <laughs> <laughs> He's asking about our first shower beer. <laughs> he wants to know if any of us have ever had one or if we want to rank them in terms of favorite time for a beer. <laughs> uh, shower beer. I, I, look, I'm going to say something now that not a lot of people are going to like. I, I'm not a huge fan of beer. I, I drink. I prefer mixed drinks or liquor. Um, if I were to have a drink, uh, you're drinking right now. I was. I finished oh, it. Oh, you were. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and that of was course. just a vodka soda because I don't okay. know. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of beer, so I've, I've actually, I probably have had some beer in in the shower anyway. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge beer drinker. David, you're you're drinking beer right now. Um, shower beer. What's your opinion? It's a bit of a rite of passage here in Australia, I think. I think uh, one of my favorite followers on Twitter, Rowan Singh, who's a Kiwi, actually had one, had his first one <laughs> the other this day. Which was inspired by him. I think is where the question came from. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty high up there for me, particularly in summer. But um, you know, today after some hard work or, or watching the Suns or talking about the Suns, I'd, they'd be kind of the beers that I would rank ahead which i guess is the beer or beers that i'm having right now would probably be top of the tree for me but Aww. uh yeah if you haven't had one <laughs> you, you should give it a go give it a i've go. never had one i've never had one so i'll try one now i think is it a heat thing because you were talking about the summer like i just never have the kind of the need to to drink a beer in the shower during yeah the i don't really get that it. hot like i don't even take cold showers it's just I, not a thing here. Maybe that's a thing in Phoenix a lot. Not really. Not, no? Well, you see, think about inside my house right now, it's 72 degrees. Right. Like, outside, it's maybe 105. And, and you guys but... you guys just like, see, that's the difference. I almost feel like like you guys just avoid outside for five months. Yeah. <laughs> I, will step, I will step outside. It'll bother me, but it's not 110. Yeah, I, I, I don't really get the shower beer thing either, but maybe that means I need to do it as well. 
Maybe we report back on the next episode, Sam. <laughs> On our, on our first shower beer experience. You need, you need to do a deep dive, deep dive need, on shower need, beers. Yeah. I don't know if we'll I'll do post a live a, on the pod. I don't know if I'll post a picture like Rowan did, but <laughs> 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 but I do respect that. Uh, ben in the for, at Ben in the fourth quarter, which I believe is Thick Boy, if I'm not mistaken. No way. I think so. Are you I sure? Think, I'm pretty sure it is. I think he changed his at. I didn't write it down in really? here on our sheet here. His Reddit username is, uh, well, it doesn't matter. It's Thick Boy. He's I've got my boy. eye on you, Ben. On our podcast, his name is Thick Boy. Um, okay. He said, should the Suns go all in for signing a starting caliber player this offseason or wait till 2021 when we have more cap space? This is the question that I was doing my 2021 free agent uh research for i think a lot of teams will have cap space in 2021 uh that's the Giannis sweepstake year i guess you could say which we are definitely in for (laughs) yeah definitely everybody else in the the, one of the few teams that would be a bad fit for Giannis (laughs) because of deandre ayton but uh, what do you think david uh i'd I'd like this question i'm going to go in a a completely different uh angle with this (laughs) But it, it kind of gives me a chance to get off a, a semi-hot take here. So I'll, I'll ask the question of you guys first. What contracts do the Suns have going forward to make a big trade with? Mm. Uh, Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre. Yeah. So For that's pretty... And yeah, and then Kelly's going to dry up after this season, obviously, right. if they don't re-sign him. So right. uh, I think the question was angled of like, would you spend all your money this offseason or wait? Uh, I'd kind of go in the middle. I'd I'd probably sign kind of some one plus one deals, uh, like New York did actually this past off season. Give them some flexibility to make some trades and not be all in just in free agency. Because uh, any time that we look at these big trades, it's it's really hard to uh, you know come up with the salary to go after the next guy on the market uh, without giving up guys that we probably don't want to. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd try That's and a good point. bolster yeah, the, the contracts, uh, particularly if they can't land, uh, you know, like one of those power forwards that we were talking about before that would really improve the team. Uh, kind of spend some short-term money. Uh, if you make them one plus one deals, then you can uh, trade them as well without them having no trade clauses and things like that as well. So, yeah, I'd, just, I'd get a little bit tricky this offseason if they, if they can. Yeah, I'm not looking at the salaries right now, but what is it? R- Ricky gets like 17 million a year, and then the mm-hmm. next after him is—is is there anyone above five or six? There's like there's no one in that intermediate eight to ten range that you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, you really you kind of I think if it was happening last season or this season, I've already jumped forward, but you know people were putting Franks plus Baines's plus Sarich's mm-hmm. to try and you know get yeah. the salaries up there, and that just doesn't work because then all of a sudden you're losing far too many players. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't know. My, the way I approached this question at first was kind of we can't afford to win. We can't do nothing, right? <laughs> we can't do nothing. Exactly. Uh, we're one of the only – we don't know the numbers yet for, for what exactly the salary cap is going to be. But theoretically, going into this offseason, the Suns were going to be one of only a handful of teams with starting caliber cap space. And, and generally speaking, I think you have to take advantage of that. I think there's a number of ways that you could. Um, but But sitting – Sitting on your ass and hoping that Giannis saves you in 2021, not going to happen. I just want to read out some of the free agents for 2021, just just because I, I brought up a list of them. The top ones that come up are Chris Paul, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Blake Griffin, Paul George, Gordon Hayward, Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, 
uh, those are some of the top names. Anthony Davis technically um, are, is a free agent as well. Just just looking at 2021 free agents on uh, Spot Track. Okay. Okay, I now get I now get your point because I didn't look up the list. Right, the thing you were the thing you were saying earlier about like I don't want to pay big money to this guy. Well, yeah, I don't want to pay big money to Blake Griffin or Gordon Hayward or <laughs> Chris Mike Paul. Conley after another year. Chris yeah. Paul, yeah. So so that was a good point. There, it, when you kind of eliminate those guys out of the pool, there's a lot of top tier superstars there, but not as many as we maybe previously thought. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, and I think your point still stands, Sam. Like if if the Suns are trying to sign. Uh, like a big name free agent, this might be the type of guy that's willing to do it at that point. If the team shows enough this coming season, uh, maybe you can entice one of these guys thinking, but these guys are guys that are like, they want to win a championship at some point in that next contract, if not that year that they sign the contract, because uh, it's essentially a declining player. You're signing a player that will be worse every year that they're on their contract going forward uh, for every single one of those guys. And, uh, that's difficult and there's not really if you look at the rest of them there's not a lot of names other than Giannis that stands out uh as guys that will continue to get better or that are worth like a massive amount of money in free agency so you know i i don't i don't know i do, i wouldn't want to count on that see that free agency i'll just say that um all right next question at <laughs> trying to not <laughs> KMS. I'm not going to fill in the blank there. Um, He says, cheapest guy in free agency you think would offer quite a bit to the Suns rotation next season. I think this is quite a bit, right? There's a little flexibility there as far as your answer goes um, because maybe maybe it won't be a massive, massive impact for like a minimum guy. No, it'll Uh, be massive impact. Okay. It's the guy I'm thinking of. I have a feeling it's the same guy I'm thinking of, but uh, what do you think, David? Yeah, I wasn't sure where to take this one with kind of cheapest and uh you know big improvement to how the can team, i win the championship with only garbage <laughs> with a minimum contracts <laughs> yeah, with minimum contract players <laughs> i'll give you two names this guy's not exactly going to be cheap but i think he'd make a big deal is joe harris uh and then if i was going cheaper that would make a little bit of an improvement on the team a guy like eats one more i think is oh. like a, a combo yeah. guard is, is someone that i like i like that Etuan Moore is fun. Um, I wrote a little bit about him in a, in a previous column for Brightside. He's he's definitely an option that I had overlooked uh, before. Um, he could be good with like a minimum contract. Yeah. Mike, who am I going to say? I was, you know who I, I'm going to say. I'm, I'm guessing it's Justin Holiday. Is that who it is? Oh, no. Justin Holiday's in the in the higher tier range. I love Justin Holiday. if you want to get into that. But but no, I'm talking dumpster dumpster oh. tier contract. <laughs> I don't know then. <laughs> who, who have I talked about like a dozen times on this podcast that the Suns could get for, like, nothing that could be really good for their bench. We talked about him at the trade deadline. Jamal Crawford. Not Jamal Crawford. <laughs> He's better than Jamal Crawford, but he plays like Jamal Crawford. Anymore, I'll, I'll just give it to you. Yes. Alec Burks. It's, oh, of I've course. I've talked about Alec Burks a million times. It's still Alec Burks. Yeah. Alec Burks is still that dude that could do this for yeah. your bench. He does everything you want out of a self-creator but he does it for for very little money he's he's would be perfect so that's my answer that's a great answer justin holiday's in there too maybe he won't be as cheap i don't know it i really have no gauge on free agency uh holiday's fun he does a lot of a lot of cool stuff but he's a, he's a different type of player but. yeah i think he's fun and and maybe i don't know there's some wiggle room with the answers for quite a bit uh, as far as that question goes i, I don't know what uh, impact would be i think alec burks would make a huge impact though so that's a good one 
Uh, at Sean42AZ, what specific and realistic moves can the Suns make this offseason to position them as a playoff team next year? This is another one of the, uh, you know, looking forward offseason questions. Um, I, I'm not going to ask you guys to do, we could do an entire podcast on this question, right? We can do an hour <laughs> and a half on this one. So maybe just. just I just did with. Uh Evan Sidery on lockdown. Yeah, exactly. Answered literally this question and it took us forty minutes. David, so, you and you and Max did the same thing with him a couple weeks ago. Right. So maybe just <laughs> yep. a quick a quick answer to this, um, David. What do you think? Yeah, I think we've kind of covered it in a lot of questions already as well. So I, I just take the opportunity to preach patience a little bit. I think the the Valley Boys starting five is a, a decent place to start. So some some good bench pieces could get them you know, sniffing the playoffs and, and a bit of flexibility going forward. So yeah, I, it's not a sexy answer, but I wouldn't be doing anything too drastic this offseason. Sam? I've got three boxes, and I think if you can check all three boxes at the end of this offseason, you've got a very strong chance of competing for a playoff spot. Not necessarily making it because there's going to be so many teams, but but you'll compete. Number one is shooting. I want top 15 in volume, top 15 in efficiency. I already mentioned that, but that's like a very specific statistical goal of mine. Number two, I want a self-creator off the bench, not like Jamal Crawford, but like Jamal Crawford, if that makes sense, who (laughs) stops the bleeding, prevents your bench units from from kind of falling into disarray. Um, And then number three, I want at least one versatile defender, preferably at the power forward, uh, not power forward position, preferably at a forward position generally who can guard multiple positions and and give you some versatility um, with the types of lineups that you can construct. I think if you check off those three boxes and there's a number of ways to do it with different types of strategies, uh, you'll get close. Yeah, um, that's basically what I was going to say. I I think that I I agree with David. I think that the, the Valley Boys starting lineup is a good lineup. If you can improve the bench enough uh, maybe with a veteran uh, point guard or someone who can create shots for himself and others, uh, that would make a massive, massive difference. And I and I think if you continue to add good defenders to the team uh, coming off the bench, I think that would make a big difference as well. And I think there's there's a sense that I I think I worry a lot about the Suns giving up too early on young players because we've seen that happen in the past. And I do think that there is still there should be an incentive for them to continue to develop some of the young players that are on the bench, whether that be Elia Kobo or Ty Jerome. Obviously, Cam Johnson. I think he's part of the rotation going forward. But I do. I sometimes I worry a little bit about uh, trying to value making the playoffs so much that these guys fall out of the rotation entirely and then get traded and then become good on other teams in the future. So I don't want to give up too early on some of those young guys. I think so. I think there's a really difficult balance that they're going to have to strike, and I, I think that they're more likely to side on trying to make the playoffs as quickly as possible rather than continue to develop a lot of these guys. But uh, I, I agree with I think both of what you said, and I do think if you can get one of these big name forwards, power forwards, uh, do it uh, absolutely do it. Don't don't overvalue the Valley Boys lineup because you still have it and you can still deploy it. But try and get one of these guys that are versatile enough that they can play in multiple good lineups for the Suns going forward. Um, next question, at Titan J. Who is the starting lineup if Bridges and Rubio aren't available for the eight games, bubble games? So this one's more uh, uh, of an immediate question because it's about the games coming up. He's saying, I'm hoping this question is dated super quick. I think it is right now because Bridges is now not only in the bubble. We, we, we saw a clip of him on the court. 
we have to pay our respects to the new beat reporter <laughs> uh, who works for the yes. <laughs> who works for the Suns. Yes, um, and that is uh, Jacob Hernansky is how I assume he pronounces. His I think last it's name pronounced Goat Nansky. <laughs> Goat Nansky. Yeah. Jacob Wojnansky, who broke the news uh, that that um, Bridges is in the bubble. Courtesy of Mikhail Bridges himself. So I think this question is dated. I think Bridges will be there. We're not sure about Ricky Rubio, right? N- no, I don't think anyone is sure yet. I haven't seen anything. David, have you seen anything? No, I think a few people have pointed to, I think he had an Instagram or something, picture of his wife kind of saying that he missed her. So people have kind of um, supposed that maybe he's in isolation or you know waiting to get to the bubble or something like that. But yeah, he's definitely not in the bubble as far as we know anyway so well he he's the he's the one question mark or, or big question mark from a, a starting five perspective anyway so if this question becomes uh not about bridges but just about what's the starting five if rubio isn't there we can all agree right it's it's obvious it's booker bridges cam kelly Aiden. but what if no kelly does anyone have a what what say kelly oh there's no Oh my yeah. god, I forgot about that. Wow, okay, uh, well, well, okay, it, it's confusing because for a second there we didn't remember if Kelly was playing or not, right? right. So and he still might there come back. There seems to be no. a little less clarity on that now than there was before, too, right? He's yeah. on the court, well, then, he appears to be practicing. Okay, fine. So it's Booker, Bridges, <laughs> uh, Cam, Dario at power forward, and then Aiton at center. Can I, we agree on that? I think I do. That's that's what I had written down. Uh, but yeah, if Kelly's playing, obviously you you play him for sure. Yeah, and if Kelly's playing, how fun would that lineup be? <laughs> I, I I really want to see that one. That one sounds fun. Um, but it does. It seems like if he is playing, by the way, Kelly Oubre, based on what people have said, for those who haven't been following it the way we have, it seems like maybe it won't be right away. Maybe he'll play the last few games or something like that. So we'll see. Uh, everything's sort of up in the air right now. It's possible if Rubio wasn't there to start, maybe he's there now. It seems like maybe Mikhail wasn't there at first. Let's let's say that. Um, yeah. I, we don't really know. A lot of weird... Uh, it's, it's murky, the news coming out of there. We don't really know exactly what's happening. We'll know soon, though. Uh, at Don's Bread... What, what are David's thoughts... <laughs> I forgot about this question. What are He's Dave's, committed. What are David's thoughts on Coach Carter? And we made one reference to <laughs> to doing a reaction episode back in March when the pandemic first started, and we didn't know what the fuck we were going to talk about. And yeah. frankly, <laughs> week to week, we still don't know what the fuck we're going to talk about. But, <laughs> but we made a joke in one episode about maybe we would watch movies and react to them, and we, I brought up Coach Carter. Um, and this guy, credit to him, has brought up Coach Carter in every single mailbag we've done since then. <laughs> not just mailbags. Even, not just mailbags. I think it's actually every week. Just about every episode, to, yeah. To please do the Coach Carter episode. David, do you have any thoughts on the classic Samuel L. Jackson I've never seen it. film? This is partially, I think, why he keeps getting on to us about this. I've never seen it. So, And, and, and at this point... I'm never going to watch it. How about that, Don's brother? <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to watch Coach Carter. It's never going to happen. Uh, I, I have seen it. It's been a while, I must admit. I, I think Ashanti is in Coach Carter. If okay, I'm, I'm back in. If I'm remembering that right. But <laughs> if you guys are going to do a, a movie, a, a basketball movie, I'd probably go uh, above the rim or, you know, White Man oh, Car yeah. Jumps, obviously pretty... You know, cliche, yeah. but uh, I'd be They're picking those two over over Coach Carter. <laughs> I'm sorry. After all of this, 
him asking every single week we finally do a podcast about a movie and it's not coach <laughs> Carter. it's like the air up there or something like that it's just air bud <laughs> we do a two-hour podcast longer than the movie talking about air bud um but yeah i don't know i've never seen it maybe someday we'll watch it all right this episode officially went long enough that we had to split it into two episodes so thank you everyone for listening to part one don't forget to subscribe to david's newsletter the fourpointplay.substack.com and thanks to david for joining us part two will be out sometime in the next few days This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.